This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal episode. We have Brian Yu. He's the Chief Economist at Central One Credit Union. That's right, Brian Yu. This is a great conversation about Vancouver real estate, but also about the BC economy more generally, yeah. which is Brian's bread and butter. I right. mean, this is, this is what this guy, he lives and breathes. So it's great to have uh, Brian on the show. And this is our first time having Brian Yu on the show. We have had his predecessor on the show, Helmut Pastrak, yes. before, who is the chief economist who retired, uh, what, in late 2020, I believe. Right. We actually, uh, interestingly enough, he was a, one of the last guests before the the shutdown. Yeah. And what, what sticks out to me is how lightly we were taking how COVID. How lightly we took <laughs> All three of us probably took As COVID. we sat around, uh, essentially I shaking like hands, I mean, uh, speaking I, a foot apart. myself might have shared a glass of water. <laughs> it was, they were different days. They were different, different days. Times. It was like the first week of March where, and I specifically <laughs> remember, I don't know who it was com- made the comment, uh, you know, hey, we've been through H1N1 before. Like right. we, we got that, we got, we got COVID's yeah. number and, uh, and three days later, the NHL was yeah. no longer the season was canceled. Yeah, we all became blood brothers and imparted <laughs> ways. Um, it was a, it was a different time in the world, um, but it was fantastic having Helmet on the show. And one thing I'll say about Helmet is, if you go back and listen to that interview, I felt bad because nobody. It, it, it was interesting. Like literally, we had the conversation. The whole world changed almost at once. We was, put it, it out. Was, you know what? It was one of those things I remember because. We had him on, say on, like, this is how it played out. Cause I remember my family was, was going on vacation without right. me and I was, had all these plans to go to Canucks games and everything yeah. else. Yeah. And on the <laughs> Monday I was like super excited. Okay. Uh, these guys are taking off on Thursday, but like, you know, Canucks on Saturday yeah. night, it's going to yeah. be great. And he was on Monday and by Wednesday I was very nervous that the, our plans were changing. And Thursday is when I said, hey, you guys got to cancel your flights. Like that's how quickly. Yeah. Monday was like, this is going to be a fantastic. <laughs> you know what's a funny thing to think about there? Just, and not no offense to your family. You've got a great family, but you went from thinking you were going to have a week off, like in front of the TV with hockey and like sweatsuits to like a, a year, year. A year on. A year on. <laughs> <laughs> a week off to a year on in like a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, had yeah. you known. Um, yeah. Anyways, it was a great, <laughs> great conversation with Helmet. And we've got a great 
conversation with Brian Yu today. Um, the world's completely changed. The world's uh, since completely Central changed. Central One Credit Union was on the program, but it's an interesting episode for sure. And Brian has uh, has a different take on kind of the way the the rest of this year plays out. So right. stay tuned for that. It's a it's a phenomenal conversation. In terms of market activity, Adam, let's yes. just touch on. So it feels like one of the things we should say is. You know, Brian's just another layer of experts commenting on the market on this show. And we've had a ton of them on since the start of this year because we're trying to make sense of it's what, what is, a very, is a very complicated moment in, in One the of the most complicated market. but engaging moments, I think, uh, in I, – I can't think of a time that was more fascinating than right now because it, we've got uh, so many things to monitor right so now. So many right? things to the monitor. The interest rate has gone up. And and qu- quite dramatically and quite quite quickly, quickly right? Yep. I mean, that's one thing. I feel like there's uh, policy talk, policy change talk is in the air, and this seems at to be the at federal the, level, at the federal yep. level for sure. You know, when the CBC starts poking around and other media outlets, every morning now there's a there's it, almost an article about uh, about potential policy yeah, changes. Look at New Zealand and everything else. I mean, right. it, it seems like it's in the air. I can't imagine that probably doesn't end with some sort of shift in policy, although maybe not. The Thanks other thing watch. is, uh, yeah, with the larger economy, of course, it's a real estate's a huge driver, so we'll see. But then listings, like we're in a weird moment where we're in early March, yeah. right? Or mid-March, I should say, when the market usually starts taking off. But we're in almost in a moment where it feels like there's starting fatigue starting to set in among buyers well, yeah. when listings are actually coming on now. It's still red hot out there. There's still multiple offers. I'm in three multiple offers this afternoon. I'm, I'm in – yeah, there's – sh- yeah, both of us are basically writing offers in situations that are very, very challenging to – to be successful. Yeah. A lot of really busy markets. The Valley is on fire still. Real estate market is really, really busy, but it does seem like we're starting to get some inventory now, or at least the kind of the hope of inventory is increasing slightly. A lot of stuff on the way. If you think about um, what could drive inventory, one is uh, the vaccine, right? If people, there's still a lot of people out there that don't want to list because they don't want a flood of people through their homes. Right. Right. So it would be interesting to watch what happens once people start getting vaccinated and are, will their comfort level with listing increase? Uh, the second thing is that, you know, empty homes tax and BC spec tax, when you look at this, these taxes, the implication of these taxes, we're now in month three of 2021. If you have a vacant property and you were kind of toying with the idea of selling, you better move quick. Right. Or there's a real strong possibility that you're going to be subject to one of these uh, one of these taxes, right, in the city of Vancouver or even in the province. That's right. And and last, a uh, lot of people that we're talking to, uh, you know, with our listing incentive, which we'll, of course we'll get to, but with our listing incentive, we're talking to a lot of people and past clients where when you start hearing, when people start hearing about these crazy prices, like it's like shaking the bush, right, or shaking the tree, yeah. cup, and, and people start thinking maybe this is a great time to list, and it's hard it's hard to make the case that it's not a pretty good time to list your property if sure. you're thinking of selling, right? Yeah. Um, you know, sub-market specific, of course. But that, I think people are are now well aware that the inventory's down. It's a great time to be selling a property. For sure. And, and that undoubtedly will lead to more inventory. I am fascinated with buyer fatigue. It's so weird how collectively the market sometimes takes a sigh of uh, frustration. And sometimes it leads to like a couple, it's like a week and yeah. sometimes it's longer. <laughs> it's so it's hard very to hard to, and sometimes it's like, is this just my buyers? Is this yeah. everybody's buyers? Well, it's, hard to, it's hard to operate sometimes because you, you're operating in your own business. So if your own business is really busy, you assume everybody's busy. And if your business is slow for a moment, or even you feel like down, the market, like, well, what's, like, happening? what's, what's happening? happening? So you're kind of constantly, and that's why it's so great to have people on the program who are kind of taking a, a bird's eye view because we're very much on the ground. Um, and it's hard to sometimes see the forest for the trees, right? Um, but this is the thing too, is, is just to kind of back up to talk about fatigue in the market. We're talking to so many agents on a day-to-day basis. And now more than ever, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, man, I feel like buyer fatigue is, is starting to creep into this market. Um, a lot of people are saying, wait a second, I've lost out on, you know, three or four offers. Um, maybe it's not meant to be right now. Right. Right. And that's something to monitor. It, it is it, because I feel like I was thinking about that yesterday and, uh, 
you know, I wrote two offers and got creamed on both of them. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe it's not. So so maybe the fatigue was overstated. But yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll something see. It's to something to continue monitoring. It feels like we're talking about it. It feels like other people are talking about it. So For it's sure. worth, worth thinking about. But uh, what else do we have before we cut to our talk with Brian? You, Adam. One, we are sponsored this week by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in town with a great culture, great resources. If you are a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody who's just looking to make a change, been in the real estate game for a long time, you'll want to sit down with Michael, Morgan, and the gang. The way to do this, and this is with a huge incentive, head over to oakwind.com slash join, type in VRP2020. That's oakwind.com slash join, type in VRP2020 for the huge incentive. But as we often say, the real incentive is joining a fantastic brokerage. Yes, absolutely, Matt. And uh, yeah, definitely do that. The spring incentive. Speaking of spring incentives, we've also got the listing incentive. Um, Really excited to be offering this. We've had a lot of VREP listeners and part of our community uh, take advantage of this incentive. That's right. We've had some um, happy VREP listeners. Exactly. And if you are thinking about listing your property, definitely get in touch. Uh, if you want to work with the Scalina brothers uh, and get top dollar for your property, we do have an incentive for you. We also have an incentive for listeners that want to introduce us to somebody in their network, whether it's family or friends, that you think we'd be a good fit for. I'm happy to help on the buy side or the list side, but there will be an incentive for you for making an introduction. So we really appreciate that. And Matt, Last but not least, we do have the sold plan. That's right. So if you're potentially thinking of listing a property, but you're not quite there yet, the first step, this is always the smartest first step, is to get in touch and get a copy of our sold plan. Yeah, the sold plan, start on launch date and work your way backwards. It's a plan. It's it's basically an action plan where it's a step-by-step resource to get your home ready for market. And these are tried, tested, and true resources. Um, these are amazing. We've been using them for years for our own listings. This is how you get top dollar and get your property ready for market. You can just send us an email, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Put the sold plan into the subject line, or else you can just respond on the live yeah. wire. Sign Assuming you're on the wire. live wire. If you're not on the live wire, what are you doing? VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Uh, for sure. And without further ado, Matt, let's cut to our conversation. Today's a fantastic episode. Brian Yu, Chief Economist, Central One Credit Union. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Brian Yu, Chief Economist from Central One Credit Union. How you doing, Brian? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. And uh, we were saying before we hit record here, congratulations on, I believe it's the new role as chief economist over at Central One. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and Brian, can we start, like we, we've been monitoring uh, Central One Credit Union reports and, and following your work for, for years. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, as, have been as well. Um, but can you start by maybe telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I am uh, Chief Economist Central One uh, Credit Union. I've been here for uh, a decade. I was actually at the uh, uh, BC Real Estate Association helping to start that up prior um, to Central One and CMHC before then. Um, yeah, about me, I'm, I'm largely, I'm actually from um, the Prairies, from Winnipeg. So that's where I was kind of born and raised before I, I came out here for um, for schooling. And I've been here and in Calgary um, you know, for a couple of years uh, since then. Uh, with uh, with a couple of kids in tow right now, living in Vancouver. Right, and I remember I I've since we had a guest who went on and on about how their life improved when they logged off of Twitter and Facebook. So I'm no longer following you as closely on Twitter, but <laughs> I know you did move. You downsized, I believe, with uh, with kids. Is that correct? Yeah, it it, it was a interesting move at the time. I think I was pre pandemic. Um, so clearly it was the, uh, the, you know, the quality of life type of, uh, of a choice, uh, getting closer to the office, getting, just being, I think in Vancouver and some of the amenities that we were in Burnaby. So again, very, very, uh, centralized area as well. But I think just the, the commute time on, on a daily basis was something we wanted to, uh, change a bit. Um, but I, I think, you know, pandemic after the pandemic, things have definitely shifted. So the, some of those benefits aren't quite there, um, but again, I, I think living in Vancouver is it's pretty fantastic, just in general. Right, right on. Well, well, maybe we'll we'll start um, with kind of a broad, open-ended question, uh, Brian. How how's the BC economy doing? 
you know, it's obviously we were pretty hard hit by the pandemic. Um, the front end, we're we're seeing a lot of industries that continue to struggle, especially those in tourism, um, you know, hospitality, uh, and that's you know that's part of the course given the fact that the skies are essentially closed for uh, for um, uh, the time being. Um, but at the same time, we've also seen some uh, improvements in or recoveries in in certain areas. Um, commodities seem to have done well. Um, those sectors which could be remote workers um, who have a lot more ability to, to work remotely, like technology as well as uh, professional services, seem to rebound quite quickly. So we're, we're just off of where we were pre-pandemic in terms of employment. Uh, we're down about 1.5%, which is a lot better than, than what we're seeing in other provinces at the current time. So it's not great uh, by any means. Uh, we're still uh, quite a ways to go to get back to normal, but you know it could be a lot worse. <laughs> right. And just thinking about, you know, comparing BC to other provinces, can you talk a little bit about why BC seems to be performing better? And, and also, is it a surprise? Yeah, so we definitely have a little more of a hit in terms of set, certain sectors like the, you know, like I said, the hospitality sector, given, the, um, given our reliance on tourism uh, to an extent. Um, but we also did see in other provinces where, uh, like Ontario, for example, they were they were hit from early on from um, some uh, supply issues in terms of vehicle manufacturing. We didn't have the um, the big drop off in um, oil prices affecting us as much like Alberta did. Um, and of course, uh, in terms of overall restrictions for the COVID nineteen pandemic, right now at least we we're not quite as restricted as other provinces like Ontario or Quebec, where they have effective lockdowns in some cases and curfews and. Uh, and again, certain retail segments are still closed. You know, we are, our case counts are a little rising right now by the looks of some of the trends. But overall, I think that from the following that sort of, sort of that deeper initial closures and restrictions, um, BC really hasn't restricted quite as much. Uh, and I do think that we can kind of thank the fact that in our metro areas, and we have, we have a pretty decent weather here, so people are able to go out and they're not quite uh, cooped up as much as maybe in other, in other markets where it's colder and you have a much bigger second wave. Right, right. It was in March 2020 when we had um, uh, the former chief economist from Central One Credit Union, Helmut Pastrick, on the program. And obviously that was an interesting time to be talking about anything because we were on the verge of, of covid and I think all of us kind of underestimated. It was like a week before it became very clear. Yeah. Or even days before. It was almost amazing that we, the, looking at that conversation and then, you know, we three days it. later, the NHL shut down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and the one thing about that conversation, though, that in hindsight now, we all underestimated the extent of the pandemic. But Helmet actually was still very certain about the, uh, I guess, the resiliency of, of the Vancouver real estate market. Can we maybe talk a little bit about the housing market in, in maybe in BC in general? Um, have you been surprised at the real estate market over the past year? Yeah, I, I think when we're talking, when we're looking back to where we were in March, um, you know, the, the deep losses in employment that we had seen triggered um, from the pandemic through the, through the following month, um, there was a general consensus that the overall um, market probably would would pull back just because of confidence, um, you know, the, the inability to sell necessarily. Uh, but, uh, but I think that once that we kind of move through um, that period, you know, the, the fact that the mortgage rates fell as much as they did over the course of the year really provide that, that massive uplift. And again, more than, than I think a lot of economists had anticipated at the time. So clearly, I, I think that, you know, I think most of us had underestimated just that strength of underlying demand that, People wanting to get into home ownership and taking advantage of those low rates would have on uh, on the, the market demand. You know, it, it, one thing that struck me is we've we've had people from CMHC on, and it sounds like Brian, you were you were at the CMHC. Uh, well, sounds like 50, at least probably fifteen years ago, or or over ten for sure. Um, the CMHC's forecasts have been kind of something we've talked about a bit on on the program because they've been, you know, noticeably off uh, where the market's going. Uh, what what are your thoughts as a former CMHC staffer, I guess, uh, in terms of of where that forecast has has went wrong? And I'm thinking about that, you know, by this point, 
you know, when they came out with their forecast earlier last year, I don't have to remind you, but by this point, I think we were going to be in a really a declining market, a very low activity. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I think, you know, I, don't, I definitely don't want to talk too much about how CMHC come to their forecast. They have, they have a lot of economists on staff that are looking at the markets. Um, and it's been many, almost more than a decade since I've, I've actually worked there. But typically, you know, it, it's likely there. There's a lot of risk, some risk management aspect in that, in, in those forecasts as well. That looking at if we were again looking at some of the the models, looking at you know what does the normal impact of a severe recession and a big drop off, you know, in terms of overall employment have. Yeah, I think that there was some merit to uh, decline. I, I think we all kind of also thought that the uh, the forecast the drops from CMHC were. It's pretty substantial, like probably more than most forecasters were anticipating at that time. I think we were in the range of about a about five percent drop, I believe. In, in if, I, if I go back to our own uh, outlooks, but yeah, nothing up to that to the extent that uh, I think CMHC had uh, called for the market at the time. But uh, yeah, okay, forecasting is hard. It's not it's not an exact science, but I do think that um, yeah, there was a little bit of a obviously uh, overshoot in terms of that, and in fact, it went completely opposite direction. Right, right, right. Um, in, in, and, and maybe talking about forecasting a little bit, you've just recently released the BC Economic Briefing, Volume 27, Issue 7, which one of the highlights is that the housing demand is expected to pull back a bit to more normal levels after the first quarter of 2021. Can we talk a little bit about that projection? And, and you know, it seems like the market's very, very active right now. How, how does Central One Credit Union see that shift taking place? And and as a secondary kind of question, can you talk a little bit about Adam and I are both realtors, so we're kind of working on the ground here, but it was a busy end to the year and then it's like 2021 is on steroids, right? Like right out of the gate, it has been, it has just popped off. So maybe uh, talking about kind of your forecast out in 2021, but also the the factors and why it's been such a busy start to the year. Yeah, I, I do think that, you know, we are talking a little bit about gravity here. Um, when we're looking at the overall, um, the sales flow, even into early um, 2021, I think the numbers are showing us so roughly about a 60% increase relative to a normal, let's say a normal year in terms of overall sales um, for uh, before January and December as well. Um, so part of that is the fact that, you know, we are so well above our, our typical norms in a normal market that we would expect that trend at least to start to drop off. Um, we all know that prices have risen substantially over the past year. Part of it, again, driven by the fact that low mortgage rates have helped buyers get into the market. They've been able to save more money during the pandemic because they're not spending it on travel or wherever. So some of those flows have come into the into the into the market as well. Um, so when we look at prices uh, on, as high as they are um, and the buying power that mortgage rates provided, I think that we're we are heading into an affordability uh, crunch if, if we're not there already. And you know, that is going to make a couple of adjustments, I think, in the market. Number one, I do think that the condo market is, is expected, will rotate, demand will rotate back to the condo market, especially as that uh, pandemic continues to um, evolve and I think as vaccines get rolled out. But overall, I think there is that affordability aspect. Mortgage rates, I think, are you know, relatively steady, but I, I do expect them to start to pick up as the year progresses. Um, so a lot of those drivers there are going to, I think, go against the housing market, but still quite supportive. Um, adding to that, I think that as pandemic wanes and we see uh, more options available for people, um, there's just less search time. People will go back to the office. People will be spending more time, uh, you know, on vacation when when that's available. So, so a number of these factors, I think, are going to just weigh on that that uh, that demand side of the of the equation. Yeah, that's interesting because it does feel like um, you know we've talked a lot on this show over the last couple of weeks, really. We started the show in 2016 when the market was, you know, prices were accelerating in single family and then 2017 prices accelerated dramatically in condos. And then we saw kind of a minor downturn, but I think most were expecting kind of a more significant downturn. And now the the sentiment out there feels like 
kind of like 2016. <laughs> like like there's a, a bullishness and an aggressiveness out in the market with buyers. But it sounds like, at least according to, to what you guys are seeing, the, the affordability, it's very, we're kind of on the edge here and we're not going to see a runaway. Uh, there's no kind of evidence for a runaway year like, like 2016 or 2017. Yeah, like 2016 had some pretty substantial families are up about 30. Um, we saw them shoot up quite a bit as well. Yeah. So so I do think that there we are, you know, if things were relatively unaffordable already, and then we're we're looking at a scenario where that price point will become an issue. You know, down payment, it becomes much harder to save for down payment unless you're getting uh, intergenerational wealth uh, coming flowing through, which we, we frankly just don't have very good data on, on how much uh, monies or flows are, are possibly coming from, from uh, older parents for millennials. So, you know, those are, those are going to be a factor. I think that um, that's going to put a sort of a, a dampening in terms of that demand side. Uh, prices at Garner are going to be quite supported. I think they're, they're, uh, we have very little inventory in the market uh, at the current time. And we would normally expect that with a hot market, we would see uh, more uh, homes coming on the market for sale. And it's possible that as a pandemic wanes and people are more comfortable, we could actually, we'll see that. And uh, that would also, again, help to uh, put some uh, pressure or, or at least uh, cap some of the upward pressure on uh, pricing. But at the moment, I, I think, as you guys mentioned, that the market is exceptionally hot. And um, it's, it's, again, I don't think it's uh, kind of outside the realm of, of, um, of expectations, just how strong we are into the early phase of 2021, given that the pandemic is still, it's, it's largely still ongoing. Can we, Brian, talk a little bit about inventory? Um, this seems to be a thing where, generally speaking, in most segments of the market right now, if you talk to people that are in the industry or home buyers, there's just a real lack of inventory to the point that there's there seems to be a lot of home buyers just waiting on inventory, um, waiting on new listings on a week-by-week basis. What do you think is leading to the to the low inventory right now, and why? Like it, it seems like it, we've had the low inventory issue here in our market for for quite some time. Yeah, well, I think it's been a longer term issue. I think as you just sort of noted that um, active listings and um, new listings haven't been very high for quite a long period, and and people do hold on to their homes. I think especially for single family homes, there's uh, the, there isn't that many available, especially in terms of new pockets to build single family in, uh, in areas like in the uh, Vancouver core area or even surrounding. Uh, so I think that, you know, people are looking at that as, as a whole, it's, it's also harder in a market like this that to actually move into, to find a property. So it's kind of a, it's a sort of a vicious cycle on the inventory side is that yes, you can list your home. Uh, and if you do plan to move, then the question is, where are you going to move to? Right. Uh, so I do think that the vicious cycle in terms of inventory is playing a part here. Um, and the fact that single family is a relatively uh, smaller and smaller part of the overall um, the pie for for the uh, housing market, you know, and, and that kind of leads us into well, what can people buy? Where are people uh, where can they find listings? It's largely on the pre-sale side potentially, or even on the apartment inventory side. But you know, broadly, these numbers are not very high, and uh, and uh, we would expect that if this market continues to be as strong as it is, that there will be some increase as the pandemic wanes. And it's part of it is also that that fear of health fears of having people into your home. Right, right. You know, and, and uh, one thing, and again, it goes back to kind of that uh, wind up for the last question I asked, Brian, at least about, you know, that we, we did the podcast through 2016, 2017, and we've kind of continued on week by week through 2021. And one thing that we talked a lot about, I feel like in 2016 and 2017 was a, was a real estate bubble, right? Um, that was like, you know, every headline, uh, everybody was talking about it. You know, there's Facebook groups and everything else. It does, and this might be because I'm off Twitter now, but it does feel like that's no longer really, you know, we're talking about a hot market, but it's, it doesn't feel like the the same narratives are out there, uh, like we're on a, off hanging off a cliff type thing. Does Vancouver real estate make sense to you? Do you think the word bubble uh, should be talked about still, or should be used? And and what risks do you see kind of in the short to midterm here for the Vancouver real estate market? Yeah, it is actually quite interesting because uh, we, again, we do look at back to twenty sixteen and and sort of the news flow was in fact all about bubbles and and um, crashes, however you want to call it. Um, 
you know, and I think that there was a narrative associated around that year as well. And when we look at, when we look back in terms of the discussions around foreign buyers, you just see the foreign buyer taxes emerge around this period as well. So clearly, I think that, you know, there was this view that it was completely due to external forces. The current scenario, I think, you know, we haven't talked about bubbles. You know, a lot of it is from what I can see and what I, and I, and again, what I hear in terms of the market from market players is that it's, it's um, largely domestic demand. It's driven by those those low interest rates. It's driven by the pandemic factors that people are looking for more green space and looking for uh, you know the white picket fence, and they are heading you know to the uh, more outlying suburbs. Uh, whether that's when they were in Vancouver, they're looking for homes in you know you go to Surrey, in North Vancouver, and even further abroad into the interior or islands. So it's a very much a different type of an environment, I think, that in terms of the discussion that people are having of what was driving. And I think that's part of uh, what's happening right now in terms of the overall sentiment. Uh, we should, of course, I think, be a little wary about that. And, you know, prices are prices. At the end of the day, they, they're, they're high. They've, they've risen quite dramatically. You know, and if it's driven by, you know, for uh, the various aspects of mortgage rates being low, uh, inventory being low, and again, uh, there's that. Also, I think some uh, people are again rushing towards getting into the market because they're they're a little concerned that they won't be able to uh, to get in if they if they move any later. Um, there is always going to be a little bit of a risk that we're going to have a selling down in these prices as we go forward. But as long as I think mortgage rates do remain quite low, which we are expecting, that there will be a lot of support for pricing. You know, and I think again, the condo markets will. Start to be pretty. Uh, we'll we'll start to rotate in terms of demand for condos uh, as borders reopen, students come back as well. Right, right. In thinking about the the risks component of that question, is it is it interest rates in your opinion, or do you think that there's a, a potential that just with the momentum of the market that we might see some some policy implemented, or is there anything that you think might might come into play to help offset maybe the momentum in this market? Well, I have been thinking more about, again, if we go back to previous cycles or high, high price cycles, is that typically they, they lead to some policy action. Um, and, you know, I'd be, you know, I, I think that's a question that's going to be asked here is, is there room for policy to cool this market on the demand side? Uh, I think that long term, my view is still that if you want to make an affordable market, a relatively affordable one, it's, it's fundamentally a supply side issue. Um, and, you know, but that takes, that can take years by the time it actually unfolds in the actual market. So there might be, in fact, some uh, more regulatory changes, whether um, you know, I, I really don't, don't know exactly what type of measures could be in play, but you know, people have talked about higher down payments in the past or required down payments. The stress test is still in play. So there's, it's interesting that there is still a stress test right now, but um, it hasn't held back the market too much. Right. And again, that, that could speak to where uh, down payments are, are flowing from as well. So I, I do see that as a potential risk. I think it's also another one is that, again, with the pandemic uh, economics of this is that, you know, as people move to the, you know, to the edges or the fringes of, of the urban areas, and we're seeing this across uh, different markets across Canada and the suburbs, um, there's an expectation there that people will be able to work from home for the vast majority of their time or indefinitely uh, at home permanently. So it's not, there is a risk that businesses or their employers will reverse their decisions or, you know, we'll be looking to bring people back into the offices uh, because it's, you know, there's a lot of signs that productivity increased significantly at the front end of the pandemic, but uh, you end up losing a lot of um, the potential for collaboration and creativity by having everybody remote. So some companies will likely want their employees back in the office on a a near full-time basis or uh, for much of the, of of a week, um, so that is something that's weighing that some of this demand that has created might roll back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like all the larger kind of macro stats, I guess, about productivity, and it seems like on the news, at least months ago, you'd hear you know CEOs come out and say, oh, how how productive everyone is. Just in our business, like we talk to a lot of small business owners, and I feel like to a person, they're like, that's just not true. Like there's no way everybody's getting as much done at home. I don't know if that's uh, indicative of anything or just the people we're talking to, but yeah, we've been back. The minute we could get back to our office, at least we've we've been coming in every day. That's for sure, out of the pajamas. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I think at the front end of the pandemic, there was this almost collective view or collective effort that, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic or we're starting a pandemic and really working together. And we're just trying to really push through this. Um, but as that wanes and as it normalizes, um, there are some signs that it's not quite as rosy uh, for the long term as um, maybe some individuals viewed it a few months ago or, or even six months ago. So, Brian, something that you said that was interesting is is that you could see now with affordability in the detached market, and even, I, I think, to a large extent, the, the half-duplex market and the townhouse market has really been on a, a significant run here for the past calendar year. Um, in thinking about condos now, um, we saw a lot, of, a lot of downward pressure on condos, especially in the downtown area and surrounding areas as well, especially in, in one bedrooms or smaller spaces. Do you think we're going to see a resurgence in, in the condo market uh, this year and, and specifically in condos downtown? Um, I would say that, you know, in terms of resurgence, how much, it's not clear, but I do think that there's a rebound in demand in these markets. Um, you know, when we think about what's happened over the past year is that students have, uh, have not been coming in as a result of remote learning in some cases. You're not getting the business travelers or those individuals or who are, are working out of Vancouver for, you know, short-term stays or even long-term stays. So, you know, the demand for investment units, the demand for, for those properties obviously declined uh, during this period. But I think, as again, as the vaccine rolls out, I, I think the normal course of events would be that these types of, that this demand does um, rebound, recover substantially. The downtown core, again, we're looking at the downtown core type of um, buildings. It's a reflection of what's happening in the downtown core business. You know, without people working there, it's become sort of a dead zone um, when, when office workers aren't, aren't there on a daily basis. Um, and similarly, you see the impact on the demand for, for housing in these markets as well. It's not a vibrant area that people move there for. Um, but as things, as things improve, as things normalize, I, I have a firm belief that downtown Vancouver will be a, uh, a much stronger real estate market as we move forward. Um, and part of that is, is also looking at uh, which um, companies are, are still planning on moving in and right. still taking up a lot of space or new commercial space and office space uh, downtown. And we, are, we often, everyone talks about Amazon, right? But can you remind our listeners what other big players are coming to downtown Vancouver? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think we, but we're, when we're looking at the um, the various buildings, I, I always forget exactly which ones are there because things have changed. But Amazon's obviously the, the big player uh, that's taking up a lot of space. We've definitely seen some, uh, you know, E&Y, for example. Uh, I think they're going to be taking up more space and, and a bunch of other technology companies. I don't know if Shopify is still going forward with their 1,000-person office that they had initially looked at creating. Um, right. But for the, for the most part, I think that this space will be leased. Uh, I think that um, these, again, most of these office workers will come back and the office will probably look a little different than where it was. I don't think remote work is going away, but I do think most people will be expected to be in the office at least a few times a week. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe thinking about that, just thinking about who's coming to downtown Vancouver is kind of a nice segue to kind of broad Final question uh, that we had here, Brian. Um, what what outlook? I guess first, maybe what's uh, what's your take on on the real estate market over the next year, but then three and five years? Uh, kind of long term take on the real estate market here in Vancouver, and, and I guess more broadly BC, and then uh, maybe just a, a longer term view on on the BC economy. Yeah, so I think that for the uh, number of questions rolled into there. Um, That's the podcast right there. <laughs> yeah, so, so the economy, I think uh, we have an outlook of um, about 4% growth for the next uh, couple of years and more. Um, really just their uh, ongoing recovery of the economy. Um, the knowledge sector is looking to rebound or looking to grow. It'll take longer for service sector, tourism, combination food services to rebound to pre-pandemic levels. I think that even with the vaccine, we still need skies to reopen. You still need people to be confident to go into restaurants and the like. So that will continue to to be uh, uh, sort of a work in progress for the next uh, year to two years. For the housing market, I think that given the strength that we're seeing even in early 2021, um, the weakness that we had during the pandemic, uh, front end of the pandemic, we'll probably still see home sales being up around the 20% ranges here for Metro Vancouver, even with that 
slowing down or normalization of, of home sales as we go forward. And that, that pricing front, I think that we had somewhere around a 5 or 6% increase. I think that's going to be higher when we when we get through the year. I think, as you can see, um, the market has just the, the market strength, even the front end, has just been a lot uh, stronger than we we had expected. I think it would it was um, um, I expected this to be at least going down a little bit at this point, still above above norms, but um, clearly that hasn't uh, been the case so far. So a lot of that early strength should uh, continue through the year, although the, the overall normalization will occur. I think the home price, longer term, uh, you know, I'm actually quite still sh- bullish in terms of where we are in terms of real estate. Uh, you know, we're going to see some some um, various uh, fluctuations. I have no doubt that at some point going forward, we'll have a 10, 15 percent decline. Exactly when uh, that's going to be, you know, who knows exactly what would trigger that. But it's happened. It's happened before, and it will uh, be a normal cycle overall. But when we think about Vancouver over the longer term, in terms of you know the migratory factors that are coming into play for the region. You know that people will continue to flock to the Vancouver metro area over over the long term. We're we're looking at the fact that uh, land is still relatively scarce until we can fully either rezone the city in some case to make it a uh, fully uh, multifamily. Um, that will continue to put pressure on on the pricing over the long term. So I wouldn't again. I think we're growing at above inflation. You know, for the longer term period, with again a bunch of fluctuations in in turn the the overall economy over the long term you know we're still i think we our, our resource base in terms of a of an economy continues to be um, i think will be a smaller part of it as we go forward uh, and we're really going to be reliant on a lot of the knowledge base and the knowledge uh, sectors as well like technology visual effects vfx and you know those various mega corporations who have a regional office in vancouver Right, right. Fascinating. And and Brian, do you have a region that you think is is a, a real growth region in the province um, that that you're kind of excited or bullish about? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of tough uh, in terms of where. You know, I, I think that I still think Kelowna is quite a a uh, pretty good area in terms of a young the young young families, people moving there. Um, relatively affordable real estate. So those are types of areas where I think that there's still quite a bit of possible momentum as we go forward. But even within the Metro Vancouver area, I think it's, people are going to flock towards affordability in the region. There will be, of course, the Vancouver higher priced area. But uh, as we've seen during the pandemic, people are look, still looking for affordable properties. And, and that does lead us to think that, you know, over the longer term, there will be that sort of that dual core type of environment where, yes, you have the Vancouver core as, Sort of head office and um, so I would say the the trophy type of uh, commercial space for companies, and they have their secondary head office in areas like Surrey, and so pretty much those those uh, areas around there should see uh, continued growth. Excellent, fantastic, well, uh, Brian. We do have this uh, this segment called the Five Wire Five Quick Questions to end the show. Uh, can you stick around for that? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, first question is: What is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? Uh, Favorite bar or restaurant? I guess this could be takeout. I know you have young kids as well, so (laughs) there's probably a couple factors weighing on your restaurant. Probably haven't been to the bar in a while, but maybe. maybe No, I'm not, uh, but I would say I I, I used to frequent Raisu on the 4th. Oh, yeah, nice. That's a great one. One book you would recommend everyone read? Oh, my goodness. So, what was the one I. I, Actually, I I think it was the uh, biography of Steve Jobs. Okay. Oh, the one that kind of focused on calligraphy? Like it, that was a takeaway from it? No? No? Oh, what? No, no. I think there was a, it was a different one. I, I have to go back, but it was, uh, I think it was Jobs. That might have been the, uh, the, the name, but it was a great book. Matt tries to work calligraphy into yeah. every episode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't like, know what, he, what he's on uh, about. Secret Desire. if you can cut that part. <laughs> um, one piece of advice that you'd give your 18-year-old self? 18? Yes. Um, no, none. I, I think it's just simply just ride it. Keep on. Uh, actually, no, I will say, I would say invest earlier. Invest in real estate, invest in, uh, in equities and uh, uh, earlier than, than after university. Actually, that's, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I feel like even if you did invest young, that's still an answer that applies, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> something you have purchased, uh, and this is the final one, Brian, something you have purchased for under $1,500 in the last year or two that has transformed your life in a positive way. A positive way. I would 
say a new barbecue. Ah, we've <laughs> never had we've barbecue. We've never had that before. There you go. That's, you know what? But, but but a good barbecue is is a game changer. So uh, I'm I'm right. on the same it saves, page. It saves me a bunch of time. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, how can people find out more about what you're doing? And, uh, of course, uh, Central One Credit Union. Uh, yeah, visit our website, um, www.centralone.com. We have an economic insights uh, page there. So that's probably the best way. And also follow you know, our various social media accounts and, and my own, Brian UBC, at uh, Brian UBC. I was going to say, definitely a good account to follow on Twitter. Yeah, and, and these reports that you guys put out, we've been monitoring them for years, but I feel like of all the projections that are going out, um, Central One tends to get it right <laughs> quite a, quite, it's good quite to a get bit that more lo- often. Local, a more local <laughs> feel, for sure. Yeah, we try. <laughs> well, thanks again for taking the time, Brian. Thank you very much. Have a great one. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Brian Yu, Chief Economist from Central One Credit Union. Really enjoyed that conversation with Brian Yu, Matt, and uh, another fantastic take on not only what's happening uh, in the real estate market in Vancouver, but also the BC economy and the Canadian economy at large. Another lens on uh, this complicated market that we're operating in. Um, I really think our listeners would enjoy uh, Brian's take today. Yeah, I, I think I definitely did. I found it very compelling, interesting stuff. So uh, yeah, another layer on that dip we're creating for Vancouver. That, 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 that seven-layer seven dip. That was the eighth yeah. layer Brian just yeah. added. Or, or one of those uh, complicated drinks where you, uh, another layer, Layer on um, the black and tan beer. Uh, would that would that make? Have, are you not familiar with the black I'm not, and tan? I've heard of black. I'm and actually tan, not, I'm not sure, sure if I'm actually saying it. I in. I feel like black time, and tan might just be a beer. No, there's a beer out there, and if someone can remember what it's called, you layer like Guinness and then Kilkenny or Kilkenny. I n- never got it right. Uh, to the point that I don't even drink it because I don't want to ask for it. <laughs> uh, but you layer the beers and you get like a light beer on top of a dark beer and they don't mix. And what's the other way to say Jameson? That's uh, not... Jameson. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Um, anyway, it's a minefield. It is. It's a minefield out there uh, trying to get Matt's drinks right. Um, but here, what do we have for the... Uh, I, I want to mention one other thing before we cut for today. Um, Gil Kelly... City of Vancouver, uh, chief planner at the city of Vancouver, past guest, one of my all-time favorite guests we've had on this program. And you can go back and listen to Gil's episode. I I don't have it in front of me. I think it was like January 2020. It was such a great episode. We actually had him in the studio. Gil is, in the brief moment that we got to meet him, I left going, that guy is just, his energy, super bright. I just want to be that guy's friend. Yeah, no kidding. Huge loss. Huge loss for the city of Vancouver. That is for sure. Yeah. But best of luck to Gil Kelly. Um, He'll be someone that I think I follow where he's going and what he's up to because he's, uh, like we said before, he's a thought leader in planning. So um, I would imagine, I would, yeah, absolutely. I'd imagine he lands somewhere in Cascadia for sure. Yeah, I think so. But but yeah, all the best to Gil. And last. Uh, last week's episode was featured in the Georgia Strait. We right. should say that was uh, Carlito Pablo was the author of that. I'm uh, a fan of uh, Carlito's. Uh, yeah. I read his uh, his his stuff in the Georgia Strait. Um, but yeah, it was really nice to get a shout out from our past episode with uh, MLA Canada and of course Ryan Lalonde and Cameron McNeil. Um, those guys were great. Uh, they made a lot of bold predictions. We've had a ton of feedback about that episode. And of course, uh, a compliment from the Georgia Strait for featuring uh, our episode. Absolutely. So what else do we got, Adam? Just very quickly, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. If you're looking for information on real estate, where all things real estate live, the Georgia Strait is one good resource, but I would say Vancouver Real Estate Podcast is even better. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where you can sign up to our weekly email newsletter, which is a live wire. This is has a deal of the month. It has all sorts of incentives, etc., for you and your family and friends. We also have private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You get basically realtor-level information. It's at your fingertips. It's free. It is the best resource out there for looking for real estate in Vancouver. It's just got a facelift. I'm just going through the uh, the right. upgrade. I have to make sure I, it's, it's actually in process, but it's... 
it's the the next level version of PCS is is exciting. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Uh, definitely sign up. It's the best resource out there. And you said that we're actually better for real estate than the Georgia Strait. I would say that Carlito is doing a good job. I don't think I'd compare the two. No, I I, you're right. Carlito Pablo is doing uh, God's work over at the Georgia Strait. We're doing okay uh, here, and yeah. there's no reason to compare. There's absolutely no reason to compare. It's, it's uh, apples and oranges. But if you want to talk about comparing or anything else real estate related, give me a shout, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me, 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Next week, we've got a fantastic episode. Um, really, actually really excited about this one. We've got uh, the gentleman from... Uh, John Benast and Michael Ferreira. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. These are episode. past guests. These that are fan one favorites. One more fantastic take on the uh, Vancouver real estate market. So we're super excited to have those guys back on. I think they've been on, uh, well, Michael's been on at least three times. Yeah. Um, and John's been on a couple of times. So super excited for that. Um, and otherwise, yeah, have a great week, guys, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.